0: number one. Uh, I, I need to make a little announcement. Uh, we, we've been having some issues on, on Wednesday night uh, getting, the, getting the kids out of here and getting you in here. Uh, so, so I need y'all, y'all to do me a favor. After Wednesday or Sunday, I guess I'm on a roll chewing everybody out, I reckon. I don't know. Uh, but if we can do this, if we can be just a little more patient and and allow the kids to get on out of here. That way there's not it was almost like a traffic jam. It's been like that a few times and they said it was pretty bad tonight, which that means there's a good crowd tonight. That's great, amen. It's wonderful. But let's do this. Make sure, make sure, uh, let the kids get on out of here, and then we can then we can come in and and fill up the auditorium. Church, say amen right there. Amen. Doesn't that make good sense? Say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Tonight is great. It's gonna be an awesome study tonight. Uh I, we, probably, we probably will not complete the lesson, so you might make sure and keep it in your Bible and bring it back with you. We may finish it, I don't know, but if we don't, uh, make sure and keep it with you, okay? We're going to talk about a, a, a subject that I want to see more of in my life, I want to experience more of, and that is the subject of joy. Joy. How many of y'all could use some more joy? How many of y'all know the devil wants to steal your joy? The Bible says in John 10, 10, it says, The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said in John 15, I think verse number 11, He said, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be full. Say that with me. May be full. 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 He wants us to have joy. But boy, there's a lot of joy robbers out there. There's a lot of things that will steal our joy, but we don't need that to happen. Now, some people have the misconception that joy comes from circumstances or good circumstances or joy comes from a great financial status. How many of y'all know there's millionaires that commit suicide because they have no joy? If if people would just start treating me better, then I'd, I'd be happy and have joy. That's not so. All three of those things that we find in, 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 in this story, Paul didn't have any of them. People were not treating him right. They were criticizing him. He had enemies. Uh, he was sitting in a prison. His financial state was horrible, but yet he had joy. I mean, great joy. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Are you all ready? All right. Philippians chapter number one and verse number one. <clears throat> Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a good work, and you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you, all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in the knowledge and all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offence to the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God but i would ye understand brethren that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places and many of the brethren in the lord Waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. And some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice... Yea, and will rejoice, for I know that this shall... Imagine that. Being able to say, bless God, I'm happy for my critics. Those that want to to apply a a, a hardship on me and want to make my life more difficult, man, I'm just going to have, I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord. Uh-huh. Y'all go ahead and look holy if you want to. Imagine that. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, that is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. For whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Father, thank you, Lord, for this good crowd tonight. Thank you for people who are hungry to hear your word and to learn and to study and to grow. Father, I pray that you'll give me the ability to explain your word, to explain it like Ezra did in Nehemiah chapter 8. Lord, to be able to share this truth that, that will change us, that will encourage us, that will help us and bless us. I pray that your perfect will be done. Help us to be conformed more to the image of your son. When this is all over. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let's look at some things. Kind of some uh, pre-study information. <clears throat> where, is he, where is he riding from? He's riding from a, a dungeon. He's writing from a prison cell. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when we study God's Word, we have, a, we have a preconceived idea in our head about the circumstances that are surrounding the writings, but, uh, and, and they're not always accurate. Sometimes we think when Paul is writing the letter he's writing because of how he is writing, he's talking about rejoicing in joy. we he maybe he's sitting in a, a, a padded room somewhere or, or in, a, in a palace somewhere with everything going great and everybody liking him and everything wonderful, and that's just not the case. In order to really get the magna, magnitude of this message and this lesson, uh, you, you really got to see the circumstances surrounding where he is. I got a picture. I got a picture if, if y'all put that picture up there. Uh, of the uh of the dungeon if you have that uh if you can got that look this is this is basically the cell now this is a this is a a beautified version of it this stuff over here has been put in there much later but according to tradition this is this is the cell that paul was in now we don't know if this is exactly the one but we do know it was like this imagine this the, the brick floor and the stone walls it's dank it's dark It's dismal. He's sitting in here. He's not just sitting in a prison cell, but he's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. He's sitting in this prison, writing this letter, to to, really, to the church at Philippi, but also to you and me. He's in a prison. This is where he's writing from. All right, who's he writing to? He's writing to the church at Philippi. Who is the church at Philippi? If you go and read in the book of Acts, chapter number 16... You'll read how the church got started at Philippi. If y'all, how many of y'all remember the story that when, when, when Paul was in the, in the prison and they sang praises at midnight and, 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 and there was an earthquake and, 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 the, and they broke out of jail? It was the first jailhouse rock. How many of y'all remember that story? That was at Philippi. That's when he started the church at Philippi on his second missionary journey. Paul was there. This is what happened. He goes, and he's Paul and Silas, and, and Timothy's with him. They go, and, and they, they are here in Philippi, which is a, a key city of Macedonia. Uh, you remember when Paul got the Macedonian call? He was wanting to go to a different place, but God hindered him, and, say, and they, he saw the vision of the man from Macedonia saying, Come on over and help us. So uh, they, they determined that this was the Holy Spirit leading them that way. So they go to Philippi, which is the chief city of Macedonia. And here they are uh, on the Sabbath day. They go down by the river because uh, word was out that they, they found out that there was people praying down there. Uh, so they went and it said they met with a few ladies. They met with a few ladies and they begin to share. Paul began to share the gospel with a small group of ladies down by the river. Uh, this, this small group of religious people. Uh, and now we know there's a lady by the name of Lydia. Lydia is a seller of purple, uh, probably a little bit wealthy, uh, which that's a whole other story. Well, she believes Paul. She believes in the gospel. She accepts Christ as her Savior. And she, she, she beckons them and, and pleads them, come stay, stay at my house with her family. So, so they go, and Paul wins her whole family. And then as he is teaching, as the, the time goes by, he is teaching and, and, and discipling them. Uh, there is a slave girl. <clears throat> There's a slave girl that, that was kind of like a fortune teller. And, and, and so they, she began to follow them. She was full of demons. And, 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 and she began to follow Paul and them. And Paul cast the demon out of her. And that, that made the owners of the slave angry because now uh, their way of making money was gone because she would tell fortunes for people and, and, and so forth, soothsayer. And so now their, their way of making money has gone. So they're angry at Paul and them. So they have them thrown in prison. Well, when they're thrown in prison, y'all know what happened at midnight. Paul and Silas begin to sing praises unto God. And, 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 and listen, uh, God is excited about their praise and God breaks them out of jail. The, the, the jailer, the, the Philipp, uh, Philippian jailer was going to kill himself. And, and, and Paul said, whoa, whoa, don't do that. We're all here. We're all here. You don't have to do that. And he comes and falls at Paul's feet and says, what must I do to be saved? And boy, Paul shares the gospel with him. And he gets saved. And then he takes Paul to his house, and, and, and his whole household gets saved, and Paul baptizes them, and here we go. Lydia, the seller of purple, the slave girl, and the Philippian jailer, and all his family, we have the, the Philippian church. Does that make sense? Amen. So here we have this small group of believers, this small nucleus of believers on Paul's second missionary journey, and, and, and he spends time with them. He disciples them. And and I'm saying all this for a reason. You think all this is just information. This is information you need to know. Because when you understand that these are people that he has won personally to Christ. These are people that he has discipled personally. and, and, And now he's writing to them. And so we see he's writing from prison. He's writing from prison. He is, he is writing to the church at Philippi to friends of his, dear friends of his, people that he mentored, people that he discipled, people that he won personally to Christ. And, and, and what is the purpose of this writing? What is the purpose of this letter? Well, throughout the whole book, you'll find there's a theme, a reoccurring theme, joy, rejoicing, a focus on Christ. You'll see the word, as you see in your notes, you'll see the word Christ, or Lord Jesus Christ, found several times in this first chapter. The word rejoice is found more times. The word rejoice is found more times in the book of Philippians. Thank you so much. In the book of Philippians than any book in the New Testament. Any book. Uh, We find he says rejoice. Rejoice. Joy. We find in Philippians he says this. Rejoice in the Lord. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord. And again. Now the word always means in all circumstances. In all circumstances, in all places. So what does that mean? It means no matter what, we can... Now, now, let me me clarify this. Do you mean to tell me if I break my leg, I need to rejoice because my leg's broke? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. He didn't say rejoice in your circumstance. He said rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. In your circumstance. Now what does that mean? What does that mean? So how? I, and I don't know why I said broke leg. But it, it brings to mind. It brings to mind a story Dr. Brown told. Uh, one day he said they were they had dug footers for a new building. And, uh, and, and, and in and the new church that they were going to build. And he was so excited. And, and, and to know, know Preacher Brown. He's a cheapskate. And so. Uh, everything he tried to do he tried to get away with doing everything cheap and and so after they dug the footers for this place they put boards across so you like planks to walk across and 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 a lady walked across the plank fell off and broke her leg and uh yeah bad bad go to the hospital and everything well through the through the trip to the hospital and the, the tests they had to run and whatever they did they found out that she had cancer But they were able to find it early. They were able to find it early because of coming in for this. And so it saved her life. So basically the broke leg saved her life. What's the point? We have an ability to rejoice in the Lord always. always. Now, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Let's look at our notes. Chapter number 1. Chapter number one deals with what we're going to call the single mind, the single mind or the focused mind. Joy is really a mindset. It's a mindset. Uh, whether you like it or not, uh, you, you, you say, how do you know that? Because it's not coming from circumstances. It's not coming from possessions. It's not coming from everything. By the way, it's not coming from everything the world says it has to be to have it. Because the world is trying to sell all this other stuff. They're trying to tell you that joy is going to be found in stuff. That joy is going to be found in material possessions. That joy is going to be found in popularity. Joy is going to be found in power. It's all a myth. It's, it's, It's all an illusion. And people are, man, they're swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. And that's why we as Christians, we get frustrated when we don't have some of this stuff. And what Paul is trying to say, listen, it's in your mind. It's where your mind is. It's your mindset. That's why the Bible says we're to be renewed in our mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What kind of mindset do we need to have? Well, every chapter, every chapter in Philippians is going to show us a different mindset. In the very first one, in chapter number one, he deals with the single mind. Say that with me. The... Now, what that means is this. It's focused. We are focused. We are single. We don't have 50,000 things on our mind. We're focused. We have a focused mind, a focused direction. Uh, And and, and let's talk about it. In spite of the difficult circumstances as a prisoner in Rome, Paul is rejoicing. And he said the secret was uh, that he lives for Christ and the gospel. Christ is named 18 times in Philippians chapter number 1. And the gospel is mentioned 6 times. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Paul says. But what really is the single mind? Now watch this. It is the attitude that says it makes no difference what happens to me just as long as Christ is glorified and the gospel shared with others. Now let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, I am as human as you are. And I I, want to say this. I am as... uh, I have... I have desires like you do. And, and sometimes sometimes we have this idea, if the preacher can just give us this secret formula where we can keep doing what we're doing and, and then maybe add a little bit of this or take away a little bit of that, then we're going to have what we're looking for. But that don't work. So we're going to have to get to the point that we're willing to say, Lord, whatever you say, Whatever you want out of me, whatever you want out of my life, whatever I've got to do, I'll do. You know, when people come and, and talk to me, sometimes sometimes it's frustrating. Because, because people don't always want a solution. Sometimes they just they just want a vent. And and you know, I, I get that. But but I just, I, I'm, I'm not a venter. I'm a solver. Are y'all with me? And it's frustrating when you say, well, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And you know what I found out about problem solving and people with issues that come in? When they come in and they're willing to do whatever it takes to solve the problem, guess what? They solve the problem. But when you say, well, I'll, I'll do about up to, but I'm not going to, you might as well forget it. Now, you say, why are you saying all that right now? Because what I'm going to teach you tonight and what we're going to learn through this book is, is something that you got to be willing to say, hey, if this is what it takes, I'm willing to go that route. If this is what I need to do, then this is what we, does that make sense say, man? Now, watch, he is focused. He is focused no matter what his circumstances. He wants to please Christ. Christ is his obsession, if you will. Christ is his direction. It is everything he seeks for, everything he's wanting for. He wants to see Christ glorified. He wants to see everybody. He even said it. Before, he said, when when he was writing uh, to, to the Romans, he said, man, my heart's desire. He said, in my prayer, he said, with all that in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to Rome also. He wants Christ glorified. And he wants the preaching of the gospel out there. So as long as that's happening, he's happy. He has joy. Regardless of the circumstances, he's focused on Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking. How in the world is that going to give me joy? These things have I spoken unto you that my joy. Now this is Jesus speaking. If it's in your in your Bible, it's red. It's in John fifteen. It's red writing, so that means Jesus is talking. So he said this: These things have I spoken unto you that that okay. So the joy you're going to have is going to come from Him. Now what does that mean? It is exciting, because that means that that all right, all right. I like coon dogs. I like coon dogs. Are y'all with me? And if all my joy comes specifically from my coon dog, and he dies, or he gets stolen, or he gets, uh, you know, I don't even talk about that. Say, man, I don't. But let's just say that's a possibility. Something can happen that could take that away from me. You say, why are you saying all that? Because there's so many people that has their joy based on things that are temporal or things that can be taken away. But the joy that I'm talking about can never be taken away. The devil can't take it. The world can't take it. They can throw you in a dungeon, in a prison, and take all of your friends away, take everything that this world says, and you can still have joy. That's the kind of joy we need as God's people. His joy. That my joy might be in you. And that your joy might be full. You know what? I'll dare to say this. I'll dare to say this. I don't think we'll ever experience fullness of joy outside of His. Every joy that you have in your life is limited, it's limited. But when you have the joy of the Lord, it's full. You know what full means? You can't stand no more. Are y'all with me? Now, watch this. Let's look at the single mind. He's focused. He's focused on Christ. And Paul rejoiced in spite of his circumstances because his circumstances, the bad stuff that's happened to him, has strengthened the fellowship of the gospel. Now, we're going to look at three things tonight. Hopefully, if we get to it, the fellowship of the gospel. You remember the, the, the main theme of chapter 1, or a reoccurring theme in chapter number 1, is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, getting the gospel out. All right? So we'll see the, fir- the fellowship of the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel, and then the faith of the gospel. Let's look at the fellowship. Boy, when I see this, this is great. Now, remember, Paul is writing back to his friends, people that he has won to Christ personally, Uh, people that he has mentored, people that he has discipled. Now, now look at at what he says in verse number 3. Verse number 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see. Fellowship, the fellowship of the Gospel. You remember Sunday we, we was talking about getting here early. Is't it amazing that God just put this message right here right after we get through talking about how important fellowship is? We think, we think that that's just something that, that, that the preacher just wanting us to get here early. He just wanting to you know, no, Paulus, is, he is sitting in prison. He is sitting in prison, chained to a Roman guard. And you know what he's thinking about? The friends that he met on the missionary trail and the fellowship that they had and they still had. Now, think about that. What was it that helped Paul get through his ordeal? What was it that helped Paul get past the shipwreck and get past the beatings and get past being mistreated by the critics and those who came against him? Uh, What helped Paul deal with the the fact that he could be executed at any moment? He says, boy, I tell you what. I'm just thinking about my friends. And he writes this letter to him. He says, man, I've been thinking about y'all. He's talking about fellowship fellowship it it literally means this it literally means this communion it means to have in common to have in common now <clears throat> it's more than just having a cup of coffee with somebody and we we use this word we we use this word flippantly have you ever noticed how we take words and and they kind of lose meaning because we use them so much right come on come on for instance i I just love my Rottweiler. Or I love cheesecake. Well, you use the same word to say, I love you, honey. So you're saying, oh, cause so I'm in the same group as cheesecake. <laughs> you see my point? So we use the same word, but they really don't have the, the full meaning. And, and so when we use the word fellowship, We say, well, you know, we 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 had we sat down and had had a piece of cake together, a piece of pie. We went out and played golf. We had some we had some good fellowship. But it's it's deeper than that. When we find the word fellowship here in the Bible, it means to have in common. There is something connecting us. There is something connecting us. You wonder why? You wonder why you can you can meet a Christian. In a, in a faraway place, you can meet a Christian that you've never known before and, 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 and there is something that draws you together and you can talk for just a moment and all of a sudden you feel like you, you're bonded, you feel like you've known each other forever. Why? Because the same thing is in you is in them. We have the fellowship of the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we are connected. We have something together. That's why we come together tonight. That's why we hang out tonight. My greatest friends are people that I have fellowship of the gospel with. We have something in common. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you don't always have to agree on every single point as long as you agree on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? The gospel and fellowship. He says, I want to, I in verse number, let's see, let me go back, let me go back. Verse number, what's he, what's he remembering? Verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, three things that that Paul uses to describe the gospel. Or actually, the fellowship. Three things he uses to, to, uh, to, to help us understand fellowship. First, he says this. First, he says this. I have you in my mind. I have you in my mind. While he's sitting in prison, he's thinking about them. He's thinking about them. He's waiting trial, waiting a possible execution, which we know he was executed. But his mind is on the the Philippian church and the Philippian believers. I wonder if he's thinking, I wonder if he's thinking about the moment that that, that Lydia believed, or or the moment that, that the, the slave girl uh, was set free, and, and or the moment maybe maybe that the Philippian jailer received christ and he was so excited and he had to he had to share that with his own family regardless of the fact he had him on his mind there's one thing about fellowship you think about each other you have each other on your mind you say well i don't have that that's why you need to get that that's why you need to get here early that's why you need to get in a small group because you need to think about your fellow christians You need to think about the people that have something in common with you. Say, well, I haven't been able to do that. It's time. Well, I I just don't make friends. Any man that has friends must show himself. If you have a problem making friends, you might need to look in the mirror. And quit blaming everybody else for not being friendly. This man, I'm on a roll, guys, I'm telling you. This man went out, and he went to try to find a friend. He said, I couldn't find any. So he changed his, his mode the next day. He said, trying to instead of trying to go out and find a friend, or basically what he's saying by that is trying to find somebody th- to befriend him, he said, I'm just going to go out and be a friend. And guess what? He found a bunch. So how do I do that? Start with A smile. A smile. You'd be amazed at what a simple smile would do. If you look grouchy all the time, guess what? Don't expect friends. We have enough problems. If you complain all the time, don't expect friends. If you whine all the time, don't expect friends. Now watch this. If you criticize others all the time, don't expect friends because they know sooner or later you'll turn on them. Now, this really ain't part of the notes, but I'm going to roll with it, amen, (laughs) while we're we're here. Do you think about others? Are there friends that you have? I I, I was studying this, and I I begin to think how many times that I I sit in my office and I think about uh, Paul Owens, nicknamed P.A. His name is Paul Allen Owens, P.A. One of the the biggest hoodlums in Barnwell County. Biggest as hooligans in Barnwell County. He gets saved. I remember the night he got saved, I, I killed a deer. <clears throat> he had a hunting lease, and I killed a deer at the hunting lease, He rode with me, picked up the deer. We took the deer to the processor, came back, and I'm witnessing to him the whole time. He had been coming to church a little bit, and and God was dealing with him. And we sat at the hood of his truck till about 2.30 in the morning, and he was just, just wanting and just under conviction, and he got saved that night. He got baptized and got the verily, verily kind. Man, I think about that all the time. I think about others. I think about Johnny Atkinson sitting on the back. Or actually, he was sitting on the front. PA was sitting on the back. Johnny Atkinson was the second biggest hoodlum in Barnwell County. I mean, Long Branch—we we just attracted them, <laughs> amen We, unbelievable. I think of people that got saved and thinking, man, the fellowship—they're way over there. I saw a picture. I saw a picture. A group from that church. A group from that church went to Columbia, South Carolina this week. Uh, Franklin Graham was doing. Some kind of thing. He was speaking at some kind of event there. And a group uh, a group from the church gathered up and, and went to Columbia to stand with them and so forth and so on. Well, I, I looked at the picture. And I thought, oh, there's so-and-so. There's so-and-so. Oh, there's so-and-so. He's still in. He's still going to church. That's a miracle. Say man, right there. What's he doing? Doing the same thing Paul does. Or Paul did. While he's sitting in a dank, dark prison waiting on his execution he was able to have joy because his mind was thinking on those he had fellowship with and we think we're coming to church early just because a preacher wants us to you may come to church early one day and meet somebody that will become the greatest friend you've ever had that one day in your darkest hour When you need someone the most, your mind can go back to that person. And that person's fellowship may bring you through the darkest place of your life. Real joy. He says, man, when I think about you. He says, upon every remembrance of you and your fellowship with me. And we're together. Even though they're in Philippi and he is in Rome, no matter where he went. Do y'all know this church supplied his need? This church sent him love offerings and communicated to him and helped him in that way more than any of, any of them. What were they doing? They were together. They were in fellowship with the gospel. They had the same goal. You know what? We need to be that way. We, we, are, we are teaming up with an alliance of other churches to help reach the Matilli. Uh, uh, Brother Jeff, uh, Robertson and Robertson and, and Brother Dustin, they're over there now. And what are they doing? They're checking on our fellowship of the gospel. You don't have to be in the same town to have fellowship. Does that make sense? Say amen. So Paul says this. When it comes to fellowship, he said, man, you're in my mind. You're in my mind. Then the second thing, write this down. He said, you're not only in my mind, but you're in my heart. You're in my heart. You say, well, isn't that the same thing? Not necessarily. You can think about somebody without having them in your heart. You can think of an acquaintance. You can, you can, think, of, you can think of somebody that you've crossed paths with back in the day, Right? You can, and, and, you know, Facebook's really made that easy because, you, you know, you can get connected with people that you had not seen or heard from in, in, in forever, a long time, and you can think of them, but that doesn't mean your heart yearns for them. And look what he says. Look what he says in this verse. He says this. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident. Of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Now, let's word it this way. He's saying this. Man, you're in my heart. Because in my prison cell... And in my defense of the gospel, because see, this is why Paul was in prison. Because of his stand for the gospel. He was standing for the defense of the gospel. And this is what he's basically saying in this verse. He's saying, man, in my prison cell and in my stand for the gospel and my defense of the gospel, you've been with me. You've been with me. Let me tell you something. There is nothing like knowing somebody's with you. Or put it this way that we all get it. That somebody's got your back. That no matter what, they're with you. Man, there's nothing more encouraging to a pastor to know that somebody's with you. When you have to preach stuff you don't want to have to preach, to know somebody's with you. Are y'all with me? When you got to do things that you know is gonna Paul said, You're with me. You haven't been ashamed of me? Because you gotta understand. When word gets out that Paul is in prison, there's a lot of people thinking, hmm, I wonder if God's in this thing. This man's in prison. If God was with this, why would he be in prison? Because that's what his critics were going around saying. But there were people that didn't care he was in prison, didn't care what the the critics were saying. They were with him. And Paul is saying because of that, man, you're in my heart. He uses the word bowels of Christ. In other words, a deep affection. He says, you're not just on my mind. You're in my heart. Boy, when you have somebody, when that heart yearns, it will bring you to... That's why you can have joy when you don't feel like it. And you can have joy when the circumstances are bad, when you know people are with you. I I can't help but think of the Marchman's. And what they've been going through. And knowing their, their group and their small groups been with them and praying for them. And, no, and knowing, I've, I've seen y'all put, put, put notes on Facebook saying, Hey, it's so good that we have people that are with us. And that's just one example. I could give example after example after example after example. Where people just saying, Boy, it's good to know somebody is. We're not going through this alone he said you're not only on my mind but you're in my heart you're in my heart then the next thing he says this he says you're in my prayers he says, you're in my prayers look what he says he said in verse eight he said for god is my record how greatly i long after you all in the bowels of jesus christ or the affections of jesus christ and this I pray this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. What is he saying? He said, "You're not only in my mind, you're not only in my heart, but you're in my prayers. You're in my prayers." Paul found joy in remembering them before the throne of grace. Perhaps the deepest, underline this, underline this in your notes, please. Perhaps the deepest Christian fellowship and joy we can experience in this life is at the throne of grace, praying with and for one another. Please underline that. Let's all read that again. Let's Let's just read it. Let's just... Let's all read it in concert because it'll help us remember it. Perhaps the deep, everybody with me? Help me, help me. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Perhaps the deepest Christian fellowship and joy we can experience in this life is at the throne of grace, praying with and for one another. Here's what he prayed for. In verse 9, he prayed for spiritual development. He said, in this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He is praying that they will become mature. And boy, that's what we need to pray for each other. We've got to... what, What was... Honestly, think about this. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. This is the Wednesday night crowd. This is usually the most mature crowd. Uh... But what was Sunday all about? It was about maturity. It was about maturity. Some tough things had to be said. You know, we had to deal with topics that y'all that's the first time I've ever come out that clear and plain about it, but it was it was it was tough. It was difficult. It was stuff that we needed to learn to grow. Why? So so baby Christians, young Christians can learn something and grow and mature. And how many of y'all know when, when you were growing up, sometimes you had to have been told stuff you didn't really want to hear? I mean, it begins with weaning a baby from a bottle or from nursing. I mean, your whole life is a series of maturing and developing and getting past and develop. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, man, I want you to grow and mature. You need to develop because guess what? One day you may be sitting in that prison cell. One day you may be on, listen, on trial for your faith. One day you may be in a dark place. And listen, we don't need to face that in not a mature state. He said, I'm praying for your spiritual development. A prayer for maturity. He wants him to grow in discernment. Discernment, number two. Verse number 10, he says this. That ye may approve things that are excellent. What does that mean? It literally means spiritual discernment. The ability to make good decisions. There has to come a day, ladies and gentlemen, there has to come a day where you have, you've got to be able to be developed spiritually enough where you don't have to call the preacher. And I'm not, I'm not saying that because I'm getting 5,000 phone calls. That's not my point. My point is this, is you've got to develop your relationship with God and be in tune with God enough that you can hear the voice of God for yourself. Cuz what's going to happen when everybody that's spiritual that you know that you normally get advice from cannot be contacted? Or what happens when they die? What is our purpose? What is our purpose as parents? Now, think about this. I don't even like saying this, but it's the truth. Our purpose as parents and goal as parents to help develop our children to the point that they can live without us. And you know what's happening across America? That's not happening. And we have a a bunch of young people that don't have the ability to live without. And what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I want you to develop maturity to the point that you can make good, sound decisions. Spiritual discernment. Know what's right and what's wrong. To be able to sense the Holy Spirit when there it comes a decision time, when there comes a choice to be made, whether it's the right person to marry or whether it's the, the right job to take or, or or whether it's the right decision, whatever it may be, that you're in tune with the Holy Spirit enough that you can hear Him that you don't have to call anybody else. Now, preacher, you saying you don't want people to call? No, 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 you, you, you missed it. You missed totally what I'm trying to say. Because the Bible says there is safety in the multitude of counsel. I'm not saying don't get counsel. I'm all for counsel. But I am saying this, there will come a time when the counsel you get may be wrong. Guess what I was counseled to do? Actually, it was to not do. Take this church. By people I had confidence in. I don't think it's a good idea. I tell you what, I, don't, I just, I, you know. Guess what? By more than one person. But the Holy Spirit was inside screaming, hey! And I had to follow the Lord. I'm glad I did. Because Anyway. No, 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 no. No. Here, here's the thing. Spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. He's praying. He's praying for spiritual discernment. I want you to to grow and develop so that you can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and discern right from wrong. You see, a child can't do that. A child thinks everything's the same. A child will eat a cockroach. Won't they? Why? Because everything they see is food. They see it all the same. But guess what? There comes a day that they discern cockroach, donut. I'm glad I'm starting to speak a language you all understand now. Amen. We're right and wrong. Then, then he says in 10 B. He says that you may approve things that are excellent, but then he says this that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. He's not only praying for spiritual development, spiritual discernment, but spiritual discipline. Discipline. He says, I want you to be sincere and without offense. Sincere. The word we, we get sincere from is, is really a, a two-part word, a Latin word, which means no wax. No wax. And, and there, there was a day when, when, when they would take vessels that may have been cracked or may, may have been, you know, of not any use. And they would put wax in it and then they would glaze over it so it looked good. It looked right but it was defective and and when they would they would put that they would put sincere, which means no wax or they would put it outside in the heat and when the heat hit the hit the wax hello but what he's saying here is be sincere be without wax be real be what you are don't don't don't, and you say, well, that means don't be fake. No, no. It means don't have something that you're hiding. Be, be real, be pure. Not not not, not mix. It means purity. And we can do that. He's praying for righteousness and holiness in them. And then he says this that you be not an offense. In other words, that we don't cause anybody to stumble. Don't live a life, don't live a life that's going to cause somebody else to stumble getting to Christ. Boy, that's important. Amen? And we need spiritual discipline to do that. But then he says this in verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. He is expecting spiritual demonstration. In other words, there should be something happening on the outside of you because of something happening on the inside of you. If there is life on the inside of you, there will be fruit on the outside of you. Because fruit is a product of life. He said you need to bear fruit. If any man abide in me, he shall bear much fruit. There cannot be fruitless Christians. If you are a Christian, you're going to bear some fruit. Even if it's just a little fruit. But see, when you bear fruit, because you are a Christian, because there is life in you, guess what? In John 15, in John 15, God says that Jesus is going to do something about that. You say, well, preacher, at least I'm bearing fruit. Yep, but God's not satisfied with that. And he said, He will purge you, that ye may bear more fruit. And y'all know what a purging is. That's when he takes him shears out. And he goes to snipping in your life. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but sniffing is painful. God will start taking things out of your life. God will start taking people out of your life. Why? Because things and people can hinder you from bearing fruit. It can clog up your life to the point that you don't bear fruit. And God will get, listen, he'll work in your life so you'll bear more fruit. He says, I want you to bear more fruit, much fruit. And then he says this, if ye abide in me and I in you, ye shall bear much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. Paul says, I don't want to see y'all stagnant. I don't want to see y'all the same way. In other words, basically if we can say it this way. From the point you got saved to the point he is now, after the years that have passed by, he says, I don't want you to be in the same spiritual shape that I found you in. I've, I've, I've I've got Christians I've got Christians that change my diaper at my home church down in Florida that still go to my home church in Florida that really spiritually, they're in the same place. That is no good. Brothers and sisters, that is no good. I want to see fruit. I want to see growth. I want to see progress. I want you to get closer to God every single day. If we're the same today as we was last year, then we're going backwards. We need to grow more and more and more like Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, uh, it says in in, in Romans, For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, every circumstance, every situation that comes in our life is to be conforming us more and more and more and more like Jesus. Every heartache, every hardship, every victory, every trial, everything should help us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And if we're not doing that, something's wrong. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying. I'm praying. It's my joy to pray that you bear fruit. Think about this: How many of y'all? How many of y'all like it when your kid does something right, or when you see him make progress? I saw something on Facebook this week. Uh, some friends of mine have a son that's autistic, and 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 and, and she put on there that 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 he was. They were saying their good nights and all that. He doesn't really speak that much if, if, at all. And, 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 and they were saying their good nights. And, 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 and the sister said good night and gave a kiss and everything. And he said, I love you. And that was just like, man, I ain't going to lie. I had tears in my eyes. You know why? It's all progress. Amen. They're going forward. And Paul is saying this man, it brings me great. I'm in a prison. I'm waiting execution, but you know what all I'm thinking about is the progress you're making and the fruit that you're bearing, and I'm praying that you bear more fruit. Fellowship. Fellowship. Tell me that clock's (laughs) defective. Five minutes, really? Y'all didn't listen fast enough. Fellowship. Listen, fellowship is so important. Learn, learn, learn to hang out a little bit. Learn to get here a little early. Learn to learn to go to Shoney's with some Christian friends. Why did I say Shoney's? We don't have a Shoney's. (laughs) Denny's, what you know? (laughs) It don't matter. Waffle House. Scattered, covered, chunked, Amen. <laughs> Hang out. Now, I, you know, I, I, in, a, in a church our size, I can't. I can't be everybody's friend that way. I can't get close to everybody because it's impossible. Tammy would never see me, but you can. So do I have to know? 2,000 people, no one. Start there. No 10 in a life group. Start somewhere. So I don't, I've been trying. I've been, just, just try this. Just try and go do something nice for somebody. Just be a friend. And smile. A lot. Let's try it. Come on. I'm seeing. If you ain't smiling, I'm going to call you up here to pray. <laughs> All right. Don't be looking down. We ain't praying. <laughs> Come on. Over here. See? See, that's not so hard, is it? All right. Thank you, Lord. That's what we'll do. We got three extra minutes. Everybody staying. Everybody staying. I want you to fellowship for three minutes. Introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. And We said this a while ago, but you do this. And then go get your children. <clears throat> but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then I want you to fellowship. I'm serious now. If you don't fellowship, you're going to have indigestion tonight. All right? <laughs> don't come up here to me. Don't come up here to me. You stay. Find somebody. Find somebody. Are you all with me? Are you all ready? On your mark. Get... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Lord, thank you for our family that's here tonight. Help us to fellowship.